0: This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. On the phone with me now is former City of Cincinnati council member, And ABC News political contributor, Yvette Simpson. It's our pleasure to welcome Yvette Simpson back to the show. Good morning, Yvette. How are you?
1: I am great. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. So the last time we had you on the show, you were at Cincinnati City Council. Now you've blown up. You're on ABC's Your Political Contributor. Was that always your career plan? Was that the way you envisioned it? And was that among your career plan? Not at all. Okay. I actually intended
1: to be the mayor of the city of Cincinnati. Okay. That was my only plan. Uh, and uh, as they say, like, God laughs at your plans. So, you know, when we lost the election, you like most people, you've got to pivot and, and look back at your life and say, okay, what are these other things that I can do? What might I lend my heart and my hand to um, that can change the world? And so I started a consulting uh, company right after that, after the loss of the election, and started doing movement work um, almost six months after I left council.
0: Okay. So you brought that up. I wasn't going to bring it up, the whole mayor thing, but what did that it's experience? It's
1: important. It's important in, in response to the question. So, yeah, no, this was not my plan. This was a, it was a shift.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this now. What did you learn from that experience?
1: Um, a lot. Okay, Uh, You know, a few things. I mean, I think one, you know, I don't regret running. I think part of the the running was important for the platform that I got that I use now. You know, Democracy for America, the organization I run, endorsed me in my run for mayor. Um, A lot of people nationally knew me because, as you recall, that was the year of the black woman mayor. A bunch of women across the country were running to be the first black woman ever to lead their cities. I was one of them. Um, some of us won. Uh, like, you know, Keisha Lance Bottoms in Georgia won her race. Latoya Cantrell won her race um, over in new Orleans by Lyles won her race in Charlotte, but some of us did not. I was one of the few um, of us that did not win that race. And so for me, you know, one of the things that I'm glad I did is that I ran because um, if I had not run, I would not have had that larger platform, which led me to where I am today. And I'm glad that I had good people around me who said, you know, you are not done. You are not finished. You know, there's more that you can contribute. And so, you know, coming out of that race and really saying, okay, how can I now make a contribution and really starting to look at my body of work and what I was passionate about and my experience and deciding that I could I could take this passion of mine and, and put it into something else was another big part of that. And frankly, I can't take credit for all of that. I thank God and you know for for opening doors for me for sure and picking me up when I was down and uh, lots mm. of friends who helped me make connections and helped me build out my business plan and things of that nature, which ultimately led to to where I am today.
0: Okay, so how did the opportunity with ABC News? How did that come about?
1: a year and a half after, um, after the election was over. So I started um, in um, June of 2018 um, as the Federal Elections Manager for Democracy for America, uh, worked with over 40 candidates running for Congress across the country, helped uh, elect the most progressive, most diverse, most female Congress in the history of our country, And then at the end of that, Democracy for America asked me to become their CEO, the first woman ever to lead the organization. And it was in doing that that I started to connect with media around the country, Um, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Reuters, uh, ABC, CNN, um, and others. And ABC invited me to continue to come back after I would meet with them to talk more about the issues. And... Um, After one of those meetings, they invited me to join the roundtable with George Stephanopoulos uh, for a Sunday show, um, which I ultimately did do um, after we found a date that I think worked for everybody. And it was after that first appearance on the roundtable, which was actually two years ago, almost to the day, Mm -hmm. um, they invited me to come back after that second one um, and then gave me the offer to join the team as a political contributor for ABC News.
0: So it's election night or the presidential inauguration and you're sitting under the lights next to George Stepanopoulos. The cameras are everywhere. What is that like for you, Yvette Simpson? What is that like?
1: Um, You know, the funny thing for me is that, and this is, I think, the miracle in all of it. When I appeared on This Week for the first time in in February um, of 2019, that was my first time ever on national television. Hmm. And... Nobody knew that. <laughs> um, and I remember sitting down in the seat and, you know, kind of, do, I had already said my prayer. I was like, okay, God, use me, whatever, That you know, which is the prayer you always say. Mm-hmm. And then I put my hands out and I was not shaking. I was wow. just ready. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, okay, I'm sitting around a table talking to a bunch of folks about politics. And and then I did. And I did it and I, you know, I, I remember I was with Andrew Gillum on that panel um, and he pulled me aside and said, you own that panel, sis. You did a great job. You should be proud. And that was when they invited me to come back for another one and meeting with ABC folks them saying, you sure you've never done this before? <laughs> I'm like, I've never done this before. I promise. Um, so for me, it was one of those things that I had never done it before, but when I got there, I felt really comfortable. So okay. I can honestly say I feel that way today. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm among a bunch of other people who was doing um, political work and has a perspective that gets to talk about politics. There just happen to be all these cameras around, which I don't think about or ever notice. Like I'm always, you know, the round table is like me sitting around a table with a bunch of other people having a conversation.
0: Wow, look at that. Um, I,
1: that I know. Isn't that funny? That's funny. Oh. Never, I've never felt nervous.
0: Okay. Now, as you sit on that panel and you're on TV, why is your voice such an important voice in American politics? Why do you believe your perspective there is so important?
1: A couple of things. One, you know, I run one of the one of the largest progressive PACs in the country. We have over a million members. We've helped elect over a thousand people, including people like Barack Obama, when we first were getting started uh, in his run for state senate. So I think a big part of it is like the the voice of Democracy for America has in the progressive movement is one that um, ABC thinks is valuable at their table because it represents the present and future of the Democratic Party in many ways. I think I also am an unapologetic, speak truth to power, black woman in this country. And I think that's a perspective that they also value. Um, and it's one that I think we're going to hear more about um going forward and so the idea that i get the chance to represent all of these different parts of america and also gets to bring this like very i get to bring this very um you know i'm not just sitting talking about what i think i'm talking about what our members believe i'm talking about what i hear when i'm out working with candidates when i'm organizing people uh, when we're when we're talking and knocking on doors and calling and texting people regular American people. Um, And I think that that perspective is, is one that they think is a valuable one. And I'm just honored to get to get to do it.
0: And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about our guests, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Like us and visit us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. In celebration of Black History Month, we're spreading some black girl magic. We're speaking to local women who are currently making black history. On the phone with me now is former Cincinnati City Council member Yvette Simpson. So whether it's your current role with Democracy for America or your bid for mayor of Cincinnati, what is it like to break those barriers? And do you feel like a barrier breaker?
1: Um, That's a good question. You know, I think for me, you know, I value trailblazing people, you know, and one of the things we do at DFA is we identify and pick trailblazing candidates, people who are the first ever um, to do something, whether it's the first autistic woman to serve on a state legislature Uh, who we supported in Pennsylvania last year, you know, the first transgender person in the country to ever serve on a legislature, the first black woman, um, hopefully will get it to be a governor of any state uh, in the nation. I really respect trailblazers, and I've known a few, as you can imagine. My mentor was Marion Spencer, the first black Mm -hmm. woman ever to serve on Cincinnati City Council, I thought that the way that I was gonna break barriers was by being the first black woman mayor of the city of Cincinnati. We did not get there. I was the first black woman to win a mayoral primary uh, in our city's history, but I didn't ultimately make that final, uh, I didn't break that final piece of glass, if you will. Uh, someone else will have to carry that mantle, but I, I took the ball just a little bit further, right? Mm-hmm. In my role at Democracy for America, I am the first um, woman ever to lead the organization. I'm the first woman of color ever to be in executive leadership at the organization. And so the idea that um, that we get the chance to go first, you know, I think part of my spirit as a leader has always been um, unapologetic, unafraid. Um, I desire, in my in the deepest part of my spirit, to change the world for real people, to be a voice for the voiceless. It's always been my passion, um, and so the idea that I get to be the one to do it is uh, is a real honor. It's something that I. Um, I'm grateful for, that I'm proud of, that I I take very seriously. Um, And I don't think it's something that I've earned. I think it's something I've been blessed with. And what I do is I try to take every advantage I can, um, which is why I show up so authentically, um, which is why I don't let people push me around, (laughs) which is why I make sure my voice is heard, because it's not about me. You know, Maya Angelou said, you know, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And the idea that when I step into a room, I'm representing hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people uh, who might not have the same chance to have their voice heard on that platform. It's important to me.
0: All right. Now, we have a new administration in the White House. What are you hoping this new administration will bring to this country? And what do you believe should be their priorities, this administration, first off?
1: So my advice to the Biden-Harris administration is do something, Um to change people's lives, do it boldly, do it now, don't apologize. So mm-hmm. we've got a short window of time. In fact, Senate races are already teeing up for 2022. we got this short window of time where we've got this trifecta with the House, the Senate, and the White House um, to really make real change for people. And what I'm asking them to do is to be bold in changing real people's lives. We've got a pandemic. We've got the crisis known as climate change, which is showing up just real, real rude and disrespectful (laughs) over the last year. Uh, First with wildfires and now with deep freezes, it's just showing up real rude and disrespectful. Uh, We've got income inequality uh, and poverty, which has been a real issue for people, but the pandemic exacerbated that. We've got people who are battling, um, you know, with disease and a healthcare system that won't support them. And so my advice to them is to make the change you can make and make it now and be bold in doing it. Right? Don't compromise now because when the Republicans are empowered, they don't ask questions, they don't compromise, they deliver for their people, which unfortunately for them happens to be really ultra wealthy people and, as we know now, white supremacists uh, and violent insurrectionists and QAnon conspiracy theorists. So if if we, as the Democratic Party, can deliver for all the rest of America which is the 99% uh, and the people who have, you know, done everything in their power to contribute to this country in a positive way, despite what they've been met with, then we should really be fighting for real change for these people and let's do it. And so that's been my advice to them. Let's pass a $15 minimum wage. Let's do that now. You know, let's pass the green new deal. Now, let's get the infrastructure that we need to build a new green grid um, so that we can, you know, we can actually protect our planet for our kids and, our kids' kids in the future. You know, let's make sure we got a healthcare system that doesn't make people choose between paying their rent and going to see a doctor. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's make sure that we get rid of this student loan debt, which will pull so many people out of poverty, um, including black and brown people um, who can't buy their first house because they decided to, to, to take the risk and go to college because everybody told them that was the way uh, for you to, to make it to the middle class. Like, let's make sure we do all of these things um, and we didn't talk about immigration. And I mean, there's so many things. But these are all things that have been teed up. And we've just been waiting for the to have the control to do it. I mean, there were over 400 bills sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk that were bipartisan bills that were ready to go. Let's get those things passed. Let's do it. Right. And let's not ask.
0: All right. So that is
1: my advice to them.
0: Good advice. Good advice. Deliver
1: now, for the American people. All Good right. There,
0: there you go. Now, <laughs> I know you're running out of time, um, but let me ask you this now. What is it that you miss most about Cincinnati?
1: You know, we still live here. Do you do? So we do. I know that's the best-kept secret in Cincinnati is that, you know, we live here. I still pay taxes here. Um, (laughs) So just know that. Okay. Who want to know? Okay, Uh, so you're still here. I just just, just travel. I just travel a lot. Um, I just got back, actually, um, yesterday from New York. Um, being gone for about six days. i right. Um, I'll I'll go to D.C. I'll go to New York. I travel quite a bit, um, and you know I'll be going to where my candidates are over the course of this year, of course, safely with COVID. Um, you know I, I remain tested, and I'm always very safe. But I travel a lot for work, so we're still here. I think the thing I miss though about Cincinnati is that I don't know everything that's going on. Um, I was out and about grabbing some lunch and this woman comes up to me and she goes, did you hear about this one thing? And it was something that was going on at city hall. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't. I, and I used to be able <laughs> yeah. to know, like I used to be able to tell people like, here's where you go for this, or here's what is going on there. And I don't know what's happening. I was just, again, another, another woman reached out to me on social media. saying, said, did you hear about the thing that's going on with this that?" and the other in this neighborhood? And can you direct me? And I said, I just legitimately don't know. And there was a time, frankly, when I could tell you every single thing that was going on in the city, and I could get you to the right place to get those things done. And I just don't have that anymore. I live here, but I don't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm more connected to what's happening on the national stage than I am here. And I miss not knowing, you know, and I miss, I I also miss working with young people every day. That was the one thing that I gave up that I didn't Mm -hmm. get back is, you know, I think what I'm most known for, I hope people remember me for, is the work that I did with our young people in the community. And I missed working with young people um, as well. And I worry for our kids. And I hope that they're doing well um, because, you know, Cincinnati's babies are all my babies.
0: You know? All right. All That's right.
1: another thing that I really miss.
0: All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me.
1: My pleasure. You all be well now.
0: We've been speaking to former City of Cincinnati council member and current ABC News political contributor Yvette Simpson. Any workout, any mood, any time.